You're listening to Seattle Grove Podcast, available free on iTunes. Welcome back to another episode of Seattle Growth Podcast, Season 6, which is focused on finding community in a dynamic city. I'm Jeff Shulman, a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business, and today I sit down with a nationally touring comedian who has appeared on late night TV many times and has had his own special on Comedy Central. Shane Moss shares how the world and business of comedy has changed over the years and offers an outsider's impressions of Seattle. His interview also provides advice on how someone can find a sense of community in a city that is changing so rapidly. I also sit down with talented author Thomas Konstam, whose novel Lake City takes place in Seattle at the turn of the 21st century. He shares his perspective on how the community has changed over the decades he's lived here and what he hopes the future holds for our growing city. Whether you have lived here your whole life or are just joining this city, these interviews give insight about Seattle, how it was, how it is changing, and where it is going. Before we get to the first interview, I want to share some exciting developments regarding On the Brink, a documentary about the changes in the Central District that I produced and then co-directed with Stephen Fong. We sold out the Langston Hughes Performing Arts Institute for our red carpet premiere, and I am pleased to announce that Seattle Theatre Group is hosting a showing at the Neptune Theatre on Thursday, August 15th, as part of its Nights at the Neptune program. For Nights at the Neptune, a people's theatre joint, the Neptune Theater in the University District lends its stage to speakers, dancers, and artists who address the most urgent social and racial issues of our time. It is truly an honor to have On the Brink included in their program. Details on the showing will be shared on www.onthebrinkmovie.com screenings. That's www.onthebrinkmovie.com screenings. Still to come on this episode of Seattle Growth Podcast is an interview with nationally renowned comedian Shane Moss. But first, join me as I sit down with noted Seattle author Thomas Konstam. I am here with Thomas Konstam, author of a new novel, Lake City, uh, presumably Seattle's Lake City, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Thomas, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. This season of Seattle Growth Podcast is all about finding community in a dynamic city. Before we talk about that and your journey as an author, what brought you to Seattle? Uh, childbirth. Um, my own childbirth, that is. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, was, uh, I was born at the uh, group health, old group health hospital up on Capitol Hill. And I grew up in, yeah, I grew up in North Seattle. And uh, my wife and I actually now bought the house that I grew up in off my folks. So I've been in the neighborhood on and off since the 1970s. So I'm kind of the reigning senior of the neighborhood. Many people have moved into Seattle and presumably your neighborhood as well in these last few years. Uh, speaking of which, as the city has grown so dramatically, especially in these last seven years, what changes have you found most striking? Okay, so so let me let me say preface that with one thing that I did live away from Seattle from '94 to 2006, so I had a period of like being from here, but also moving back and learning Seattle anew, um, and that was you know that was very shocking. The '90s were very shocking. Things changed very rapidly. I you know I, I I'm I'm not one of these like curmudgeonly 
you know, old timers that say, oh, everything used to be better. And um, I, I, I think that uh, culturally, Seattle has a greater diversity of things happening. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of new establishments that cater to different to different interests. I think even as a as a parent, there are increasing number of things to do with kids where you can actually eat decent food or and you know have a beer and enjoy you know things that are pleasant for parents and children. I think there's just generally there's better infrastructure. Um, traffic sucks a lot worse than it used to. I, I mean, it always used to be if somebody flew into town, you'd pick them up at SeaTac. Now I'm like, oh man, I don't want to. <laughs> I do not want to mess with I-5. It, it it just had more of a small town feel, and the good things that come with a small town feel, and the bad things that come with a small town feel, and and uh, you know, um, I, I I feel like. Uh, I, I know there are mixed feelings about the growth, but I feel like in general we're headed in a good direction. And now talk about how you found community here in Seattle. Where have you found connections with others, and how has that changed over the, over time? You know, people talk about the Seattle freeze and um, how I, I know, you know, people who have moved here over the years who have had trouble finding a community of friends. And, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do or traditionally at least has to do with the fact that people do a lot of socializing in their own houses. And, you know, um, that means that you have kind of limited social networks because you're not just going to let anybody in through your door to hang out necessarily. Um, so I had an interesting experience when I moved back here in 2006. I, I met my now wife. I was actually visiting Seattle, met visiting my folks, met her at a birthday party in West Seattle. And Next thing I know, I was like, oh, I think I live in Seattle again. And so met a lot of people through her. Um, my wife is a chef and uh, loves to entertain and, like, you know, do stuff at house. But we do a lot of stuff at our house and invite people. And uh, had a lot more energy to do that before we had children. You know, now uh, you, have, you have two kids? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, start to shift into that phase of meeting people through your through your children. And then you have to find, you know, that and, and that's got to really be a hole in one because your kid has to like the kid. You have to, you know, and the couple has to at least tolerate each other yeah. <laughs> the other people pretty well. Um, Isn't it amazing how in life you progress? You first just have to find somebody that you're okay with hanging out with, mm-hmm. and then you've got to find somebody that your partner's okay with hanging out with and you're okay with hanging mm-hmm. out with, and now it's got to be your kids are okay with yeah. hanging out. Both kids have yeah. to, so it's so really got to align. That's when people have to uh, let their standards slip a little bit. You're <laughs> like, I don't, I don't hate him. So like, <laughs> yeah. no. um, but I, I'd, I, I wish I said, you know, and, and in my idealized version of myself, I'd think, oh, yeah, well, we're getting out and doing all these activities as a family. And, we're, you know, I have a seven-year-old and then a four-year-old. We're keeping our noses above water and I'm working and writing a new book. And, uh, you know, my wife's keeping the trains running on time and everything's uh, complicated in that way. So, um yeah, we're meeting we're meeting people through just being open to meet people through school, uh, new friends, and um, and and the friends that we that we amassed over the the last few years since since I moved back to town, mainly yeah, just through through having people over, meeting people um, at other house parties. But again, 
uh, had that advantage initially of me being from here and had a had a network of some friends that I'd grown up with, and my wife, uh, you know, just having met people through through her work and elsewhere. But you got to just start with a few and then branch out. But I, I do think that as Seattle becomes bigger and more cosmopolitan, and getting back to my you know the answer to the initial question, I, I do think that there are more social spaces now than there used to be, and there there are more there's more sort of there are more there are more restaurants and bars and festivals and and opportunities for people to to interact i believe and so you've written an op-ed about the changes in seattle and what uh, other cities could expect if if they go through a similar change yeah. um and you've written this book lake city which is set within the backdrop of seattle mm-hmm. let's talk about the book as an entry point into what you've observed uh, about the change of our of our community uh, I wrote a uh, piece for the Washington Post uh, just talking about, you know, again, it's become way more cosmopolitan city. We've gained a ton of ethnic diversity. It's interesting to see people from all over the world now being Seattleites, becoming Seattleites. But we've lost a lot of class diversity. Um, and uh, everybody is relatively well healed and sort of moving in the same circles. Uh, I exist in that world. Um, so on, on one level i'm like cool you know every we can i can talk about work with my neighbor but you know but but uh it it used to be i had a neighbor the neighbor across the street was retired navy another guy was a drywaller the um other guy down the street worked on boats in alaska and his wife worked in a cannery up in alaska uh that doesn't exist so much in seattle anymore and uh it's a shame because it's it becomes more and more of a bubble that way uh, it, and, um, you know, I was a public school kid and, and I think there's great value in seeing a, uh, just, just, just experiencing a wider swath of humanity in your day-to-day life. And it's important for the long-term vitality of a city, I believe also to, to, uh, be able to house and incorporate, uh, you know, yeah, a, 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 a number of different classes, um, uh, you know. And so you've got you had these neighbors from a variety of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what drove you? Did that inspire your your book in some way? Yeah. So so the book takes place in two thousand and one, which I thought was an interesting sort of midpoint uh, where you know Microsoft went public in eighty six. That's when um, stuff really started to change, and in, in my you know, million. Tons of millionaires were created in one day, and a handful of billionaires in a, in a city of under 500,000 people at that point. And what had, you know, we had had prior to that, we'd have uh, Boeing and University of Washington and Weyerhaeuser and whatnot, but nothing. It, it we were off the off the beaten path, and um, so. Uh, I, I, 2001, the, the, which is the, the year that Lake City takes place, was sort of a midpoint on the trajectory to where we are now. And uh, it looks at a guy who's down on his luck. Uh, he's kind of bootstrapped himself up from being a uh, working class kid from Lake City and has uh, uh, risen the ranks of academia and is a, is a PhD student in Columbia. He flames out of all that and takes not only an emotional kick down when he gets dumped by his wife, but a class backsliding, basically. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's trying then to pull himself back up in, in Lake City 
and uh, it looks a lot at class and changing Seattle. Uh, some of those themes that I was just talking about, about uh, loss of uh, economic diversity. But it's really uh, all, all wrapped in kind of a Coen Brothers type dark comedy about a uh, kind of a sketchy individual doing anything in his power to get ahead. So, um, which is also a little bit, I guess thematically I look a lot at the, um, the at amb it, 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 it's about ambition and the downside of ambition or the costs of ambition and that's we see that in the protagonist and that's also a big um, theme that you can look at in uh, for Seattle. Um, there's a book, uh, Seattle, the Demons of Ambition, written by Fred Moody, who's the editor of The Weekly before, and that was a big influence for me. Um, and just looking at as we as we grow as a city, what we um, you know, with everything that we gain, we, we lose something too. Um, and, and so let's bring this back to the theme of Seattle Growth Podcast Season 6 of finding community in a dynamic city. What does it mean to the sense of community as you're seeing what you're, you're calling a kind of a homogenization of, 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 of class here in Seattle? It works both ways. If more people around you are more directly like you, it may help certain aspects of community. You know, and I experienced this a little bit. I, I went to grad school in, in Palo Alto in 2000, 2000, 2001. And um, Bay Area, you know, is maybe 10 years ahead of us in terms of this, this breakneck tech-driven pace of development. And, uh, you know, it was already happening there that, that a lot of public service employees, um, police officers, firemen, teachers weren't able to, to live in the area that they served. And that, that in, the, in the broader community, I think, creates a certain instability. I think it's a good idea to have police officers that are patrolling um, a community be of that community and, not, um, and understand, therefore understand more about the, the uh, you know, uh, social cultural nuances. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that, the, that, that your immediate community of who you hang out or who you socialize with and hang out with that may be even improved by by this homogenization assuming that you inhabit that group but the greater vitality of an uh, of of the the wider community is somewhat destabilized because then you just have you have to we need we need everybody to work together to to be a healthy city and so let's explore this book written in 2001 at a time where there is diversity in class and economic uh, st status. Paint a little bit of the picture that you paint in the book for yeah. people who have just moved here in the last few years. I'm not looking back with some sort of rosy retrospection. Like it was all great then and we had everything figured out. And uh, in the early pages of the book, the protagonist at least is is pretty over his surroundings and feels like, ugh. Seattle, there's nothing, nothing good ever really happens here, and there are all these sort of shortcomings, and it could be, could be uh, so much better. But in yeah, in Lake City, there it's still a residential neighborhood where blue collar people could afford a home, and um, it's and 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 I also wanted to create sort of almost a historical record to remember that Seattle people know Seattle nowadays is you know highest number or you know 
per capita uh, graduate degrees or readers or that sort of stuff, um, which is which is and and there's a lot of brain power in the city now, and that's exciting. But Seattle was also a rough and tumble port town for a long time. It was, uh, you, you know, there have been parts, you know, south of Yesler was like all red light district and um, uh, it's just a gritty, the, the city ha, has this gritty history that was still a bit alive in a few neighborhoods is where the dying, there's, there are touches of it here and there now, but that was kind of the last phase of it. And I just wanted a story that painted a picture of the time that I grew up in and to remember the, the, the old culture of Seattle and uh, as, as we move forward into this new era. It's, of course, a novel that you said is kind of a dark comedy in the vein of uh, the Coen brothers. But as we're moving forward to the future of Seattle and changing dramatically, you say you look back for this purpose of that, we look forward. What should we take away or what should people think or do as we're shaping collectively the, the future of Seattle? I think that, that we should uh, look at ways that Seattle doesn't become unaffordable for all except for our wealthiest citizens. I think that, um, you know, certain certain things are beyond our control. I'm, I don't know that the, you know, the mayor or the city council is going to lay down some law and that's going to that's going to change everything. But um, I think, uh, you know, I think I, I, I think if nothing else, I think that, that just knowing uh, more about our history and recognizing, especially as we have so many new arrivals coming who, you know, frequently I do a lot of work with the tech industry. I know um, I, I, I do writing uh, for, for Microsoft and I know that a lot of people who come for, you know, you may last four years in a job and, and, and leave. Um, and we have a lot of cultural turnover and, and the history of Seattle is, uh, is short by city standards. It's you know, or 150 years, something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if if the thinking about this will will affect housing policy or actual like urban development. But I think it's I think it's important for people to just know about the culture. Um, know what this place is when they when the, for the, for the people who stay for them to carry it forward and be like and I think that that sense exists in a lot of other cities like New York has this I mean of course people don't know everything about the history of New York or they don't know everything about the history of Chicago or Boston they're slightly older cities but I you know I'm I'm after this I'm going to a reading at. Um, at uh, Third Place Books in uh, Seward, uh, Seward Park. I'm hosting a reading with my friend Brad Holden, who does a thing called Seattle Artifacts. He's doing a book called Seattle Prohibition and talking about how Seattle was through Prohibition. I think it's, I think it's just important through art, too, to, to get the – to establish the, the traditional character, some of the traditional culture of, of the place in people's mind. You know, it's, 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 it's all myth and storytelling too, whatever. But as, as those who live through it, uh, those of us who live through it saw it, um, and to, to carry that forward. Uh, and, and I think that, that if nothing else that can, you know, help, uh, how we identify as a, as a community, 
um, give us give us ideas of what it means to be a Seattleite as the you know obviously that's always going to continue to morph and, and evolve but um, just have uh, some of these these uh, seeds or, or crumbs from the past within that. So we've got Lake City by Thomas Konstam, a novel takes place here in Seattle in 2001. Who should read it and where should they go buy it? I would say anybody who is interested in changing cities and um, whether you live in Seattle or, you know, somebody in San Francisco or Boston or New York uh, who's interested in uh, how things are changing around them, people who like comedy, people who like dark comedy. And if you live in Seattle, I would recommend you buy it at Third Place Books or Elliott Bay Books, an independent bookstore. Um, so we've talked a lot about kind of community, how you found community, uh, the changes of Seattle and the future of Seattle. Any concluding thoughts? You know, I, I think it's an exciting time to it's an exciting time to be here. We um, and the decisions that we make now are going to uh, really affect where Seattle goes and the um you know, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see. There's always been a lot of ambition for the city. Let's remember that the Denny party when they landed here was New York Alki, which meant, you know, they were had ambitions to be the next New York City. And uh, I, it's cool to see our ambitions being realized in their own Seattle sort of way. And I hope that we can continue to grow in positive ways and... Um, yeah, and and address some of the the challenges that have that have been cropping up in the process, and be smart about the new ones that we don't even foresee. Thomas, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I think this uh, podcast is great. It's very cool that you're doing this. My next guest offers an outsider's perspective on Seattle. To give a little away, he praises a particular quality from the audiences he sees while performing in Seattle, and comments on several aspects of the city's identity. Before we get to this fascinating interview, I want to remind you that if you missed out on the sold-out red carpet premiere of On the Brink, On the Brink takes the stage at the historic Neptune Theater in the University District as part of the prestigious Knights at the Neptune program. Head to www.onthebrinkmovie.com to get tickets. As written in Crosscut, the history lesson here is one all Seattleites would benefit from learning. And as Margaret Larson implored her audience on King 5's New Day Northwest, please go see this film. Get your tickets ahead of time at www.onthebrinkmovie.com. Now, join me as I sit down with Shane Moss. I am here with the nationally known comedian Shane Moss. He's in town for a couple of shows here in Seattle, based out of Portland, and has toured the world, made a podcast, heard by thousands of people, and even has a documentary. Uh, Shane, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, and thanks for being on my podcast. Here we are, my science podcast. That's right. So I just appeared on Shane Moss's Here We Are podcast, available iTunes and pretty much any yeah, Stitcher. I have a good deal with Stitcher where you can it's the only place that you can hear all of my episodes that are 6 months older or or um and also it's ad-free. So Stitcher's the way to go. But uh but yeah, wherever you're listening to this, you can listen to my podcast. Yeah, there you go. that's the simplest way. Unless it's actually on KBFG which uh this gets rebroadcast Ooh. on. So. Um Anyway, so, got a podcast. Here we are. Tell me more about yourself. Well, I'm a stand-up comedian, uh, and I've been a... I started comedy 15 years ago in Boston, Massachusetts, and 
I got really lucky. I guess it was a mix of talent or whatever and luck because I moved up the ranks really quickly, but I definitely caught a few like really big breaks and got to do all the kind of late night. Uh, you know, I was on ultimately on uh, Conan's show five times and got to do stuff with Comedy Central and that sort of thing. And so I was back then a very much more traditional route kind of comedian. This is what you do. You get your five minutes together. You get on late night. You do well. Get asked back. And you get a half hour together to do it on Comedy Central. Then once you get that, you get an hour together, blah, blah, blah. And um, that model still is sort of a thing. But, you know, in that time, in the time that I've been a comedian, social media became a big thing. I, I was around for the the early MySpace days. And that was when I started, that was like how Dane Cook had really established himself was was through really utilizing MySpace. And, and um, you know, people were like, look at Dane Cook. He's selling out Madison Square Garden and it's all because of MySpace. And so then everyone, there was a lot of pressure to like get on the Facebook and Twitter and all these things when when uh, those initially came out, which I did, and I I kind of feel like it wasted a lot of my time in life. But anyway, it, it was the landscape has changed quite a bit because it, it became about social media for a little while. And then my favorite thing was, you know, podcasts had started, started around at the same time as social media a little bit, uh, slightly after maybe. Um, but then they started taking off uh, about 10 years ago was when a couple early ones started gaining like a little bit of traction. And uh, and that was so uh, that was, you know, within a few years, it was like, you better have a podcast. And it really has opened up some exciting doors. The social media stuff. I have some pretty mixed feelings about, but I think podcasting is one of the best things to happen to entertainment and to the world, really. I mean, I think it's incredible. Uh, for a comedian, much of what you have to do is, say the late night thing, is you're really making all of these compromises to like, okay, what's going to work well in five minutes? What's going to get through the censors? Um, you know, what's going to like get people's attention, blah, blah, blah. And it's not, it's not you. It's like a caricature of you that you're presenting. And with podcasting, you can be, you know, certainly much, much closer to your genuine self and I think that's why people respond to it so much and it's just really opened up the world to it's 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 changed the game tremendously. This season of Seattle Growth Podcast is about finding community in a in a dynamic city. So people are moving in, people are moving out and it can be kind of tough to have a, a sense of belonging. Um, and I'm really excited that you know you've been on late night Comedy Central, you've toured the country and I get a chance to, to come talk to you. Can you talk about it from an outsider, somebody who's here for Se in Seattle for uh, a couple of shows? You've got this new show, Stand Up Science, uh, and you're also doing the traditional comedy. Um, when you come to Seattle, what are your first impressions of this city? Because I, I come from like a 
wholesome Midwestern background, and I do like to fancy myself like this kind of everyman science communicator and trying to create this bridge and everything. But I have to tell you, it is, uh, for me, quite a relief to be in a city where intelligence is something that um, people take interest in and, and curiosity is something that people take interest in. I I just find the audiences are brighter. There's less, a lot of places that you go to. It's a lot of, uh, so I'm at Laughs Comedy Club this week. A, a lot of places are still this like kind of um, lowest common denominator. Let's get like the drunken bachelor and bachelorette and like birthday parties out because they're going to drink the most. So we're going to get the most drink sales. And so now it's like now as a entertainer, and I like to think of myself as an artist who spent a lot of time, uh, you know, creating cerebral material and everything else. Um, now I'm like babysitting a group of drunks and that's what it is like in a lot of places in an area like Seattle, I just feel like it's a little more attentive audience. I feel like they'll come with you on more experimental and creative things. And I think it's just a little more artistic city. And it's like, I also like that there's like this underlying kind of like misery running through. As <laughs> someone who struggles with depression, like I really like that, uh, like the people have a kind of like a, um, I'll throw in the towel <laughs> like, at the drop of a hat vibe about that. Like as dark as it sounds, like it's striking to me that that uh, it, it, and, and it's dark and it's tragic that Seattle has like such a high like suicide rate and everything else. And of, of course, we don't want that to be the case. But there's something like beautifully tragic about that. Like there's something that I can just like relate to and identify. Like it just feels like home for me. And like I resonate with that vibe because I go to like Toledo, Ohio, which is like a miserable, awful, like like no one should be in Toledo, Ohio. I go there and I don't understand how anyone is like living with themselves there and they're doing just fine meanwhile like you go come to seattle where there's this vibrant music and art scene and intelligent people and cool things and cool restaurants and they have like a high suicide it's so crazy that people are just like no oh, it's drizzling here <laughs> i'm done with this and that's like i resonate with that for whatever reason so i know that's maybe not like the sales pitch that Seattle is looking for as a city. But for me, like, I love that. Like, I was such a huge fan of Nirvana and everything, and I, I like that vibe. I think it's, like, I think it's genuine, and, I, and it makes me feel like I'm not alone in this human condition. And that's what Seattle feels like to me, and that's what I like about it. I know that's not for everybody, but that's what I like about it. How long ago did you first start doing shows here in Seattle? Maybe not 10 years ago, but pretty close to that. Uh, near uh, Close to a decade now. And, yeah. and what changes have you noticed? Uh, you know, you, you just pop in, so they might be either more dramatic or less because you don't have the same attachment to the city as people who've lived here their whole lives. But what have you noticed in these 10 years as you come visit Seattle regularly for oh, comedy? Oh, boy. Um, that's a tough question because I have to say that a lot of my 
work was in so the seattle the laughs comedy club that i'm working at now that is in seattle it used to be in kirkland and so i was kind of like i'd pop in into seattle for a minute but i'd be spending the majority of my time there and then i would be um i also work in tacoma um tacoma comedy club and so i i would say i notice it more in like the um the suburbs of seattle getting like a little bit nicer it seems like i don't know if they're just like um progressing a little more just like getting nicer restaurants kind of when i first started coming here um a place like kirkland definitely needed like a fresh coat of paint (laughs) um overall and i feel like they've they've done some to like clean it up and with maintaining its character at the same time sometimes you you know just tearing down a uh house and like building something new there isn't the way to go as well so i I do feel like it's maintained some of its character so i don't know i i guess i i can't i can't pretend to know like the uh seattle that well um because i don't go out and about all that much like i'm going to a rock climbing gym after this and i hit up i'll I'll probably go to a nice lunch or something like that um i just really like i just know that i really like the people here from meeting people after shows and stuff so i can be a little bit of a hermit on the road when i first started it was like the most exciting thing to be traveling and i'd like do like you know, a double-decker bus tour in cities that I'd go to or whatever and really explore. And after a while, um, everything blends together a little bit, and it's much more about um, just meeting the people in the area to me more than anything else, I'd say. And then as a a visitor in this town, have you observed anything about the comedy community that's existing here? And So how it works, if you want to start doing comedy you you start doing open mics and then you so so the traditional route has been you start going to open mics and you do as many of them as you can and you get a bunch of stage time and then you know five somewhere between five to ten years into it once you know you've established yourself you've been getting like some paid spots and stuff like that maybe start to even um tour just a little bit here and there and you need like a tv credit or something like that to take things to the next level that's when people move to like new york or la and you know try to break in and get attention from the industry and that sort of thing um what you don't want to do is just like i'm gonna start and become a stand-up comedian and just move to new york or la i almost did that not knowing better early on and i'm really happy that i moved to boston um because it's it's a nice you want so there's like boston seattle portland denver minneapolis chicago oh definitely chicago um and like a couple other cities but those are like the main ones that are like the best absolute best cities to start in because there's enough going on there's enough open mics going on that you can get up at and but it's not so big to where like New York and LA are so overly competitive that if you're just starting out to like get your name in a hat 
to maybe get like three minutes of stage time, you have to bring like 10 of your friends and they have to like pay for a ticket and everything to like have you maybe perform. And so it's, I can't imagine starting in a situation like that. So Seattle is, um, you know, kind of a, a vibrant um, place to start and it, it, it does a nice job of curating um, a lot of good creative up-and-comers and then do those up-and-comers i know you said you're kind of a hermit but have they been welcoming to you or do oh, you interact yeah. with it well i mean i'm like any anyone that's coming through here that's you know the headliner uh for the most part unless there's someone who isn't well liked and i am i'm uh not to toot my own horn but i'm a likable enough guy i'm, I'm well liked in the comedy community and so like you know these are I'm in a position that any of these up and comers want to be in. And so they're always like coming out to shows okay. and trying to like, you know, get advice from you and stuff like that. So, uh, um, if anything, it can be a bit much, uh, okay. sometimes, but absolutely. They're like very, very welcoming and want to, you know, I have friends in town that I can absolutely go and hang out with and, and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's absolutely it's absolutely a very welcoming community. How you found community here in Seattle for the brief times where you might need somebody to lean on? Or gosh, I am really lucky that I just don't have to try that hard, and it's just because of the situations that I've been in where the comedy community as a whole is so supportive that anywhere that I go, there's a built-in community for me. So I'm not sure that I can really speak to that. I feel like very privileged in that way, I guess. Yeah. I feel like I'm not the best person to talk to because I'm not, I don't have like useful advice for someone that's like moving to see, cause I'm in such a weird and different position than other people are. Uh, and I, now I just like sound like an asshole who's just like, well, I just have friends. I'm just super Everybody popular, and everyone wants to hang out. And you know, I I honestly do take it for granted because I'm really I'm really a, a pretty private person and and uh, am a bit of a hermit and keep to myself. I actually like I'm into rock climbing, and uh, I'm gonna go rock climbing today, and I, I might like find a someone to belay me there um and just like have them usually at gyms to like make an announcement for you um which that's a, i think that's a great way to find a community in a scene is like find some activity like that where i get into rock climbing or like i don't know crossfit if you're an annoying person um where where, where there's like this built-in like welcoming community but what i like about rock climbing is it's like a bunch of introverts who didn't like team sports um and like you know it's just like rock climbing is like a puzzle and so it's just a little more of like uh um i feel it's like uh pe people that like solving puzzles a little more like curious um um you know, maybe even more intelligent type of 
people getting involved in that anyway and then at the same time everyone kind of keeps to themselves so i don't have to like you can certainly go and talk to people if you want to but for someone like me that would prefer to just like climb by themselves and not talk to anybody i also have that um so i think for someone that's like a little bit of an introvert but still likes to put themselves out there a little bit once in a while and it's like worried about like maybe feeling isolated or lonely rock climbing is like the perfect thing that you can do but yeah find something like that because a, a place like seattle has tons of like uh, you know there's like outdoorsy people everywhere even though the weather's not absolutely perfect for it i'd say get involved in stuff like that um is is the way to go but i don't oh know i feel like we we live in a world that is interesting because it's i feel like a lot of people are isolating themselves and have a hard time leaving the house and are living in spending much of their lives in cubicles or whatever but i think that this is there is also at the same time no better time to like go to find a meetup group that you're interested in or yeah you can like i've been meaning to go there's one in portland um that's just like a meetup group about death it's just like a bunch of people that chat about death and i'm like oh man that really sounds like my jam uh, like i just really like dark like tragic subjects like that and but we so much like what i was saying about podcasting is where when I grew up in a like small white picket fence town of Wisconsin, I felt like everyone had to do the same thing. You had to like the Packers, and yet and like men were supposed to act a certain way, and females were supposed to act a certain way, and there were like these very status quo sorts of uh, like culture and. You, you belonged to the church that you were born into, and that was very important, and you never questioned any of that. And now it is such a diversified world that you can be absolutely, you can learn who you are, be yourself, find, seek out the very specific things that you're into, whether it's like uh, your your uh, like it, you can join a sex club or you can join a Dungeons and Dragons club. Like there's there's like y- you can be whatever freak that you want to be in the world, and that's what excites me about um, the modern world and living in a big city like Seattle. Is there is you could. I'm sure if I wanted to go LARPing right now, I could get <laughs> live action role play for the listeners. <laughs> I could I could probably get online right now and I could have a foam sword in my hand within an hour or two. <laughs> and, <laughs> like and that's like the ridiculously uh interesting and weird world that we now find ourselves in and that's one of the benefits of being in a big city is like if you feel like isolated or like you don't fit in you absolutely shouldn't if you live in seattle because i can promise you 
there's a whole bunch of weirdos just like you out there. And I think that's the exciting thing about living in a city like this. So you've been on Conan, you've been on Comedy Central, you've been on yeah. TV, you've, you've toured around the country. You're here in Seattle at the Laughs Comedy Club, yep. which will have happened too late for listeners. Okay. Uh, um, but what, my show, they know my if you're show back? Stand Up Science, um, one, I mean, the absolute best thing to do is if you join my email list, it has the zip code on there. So you only get an email when I'm coming back through the area. In my show, Stand Up Science, which is a, it's a different format than a traditional comedy show. It's half comedy, half science. It's two scientists and two comics on the same show. So it's half comedians doing sets and half scientists giving like kind of like TED Talky kind of. TED Talks have gone the way of like nonsense, motivational, speak, like inspirational nonsense. That is not what I'm going for. I'm up for like hearing about game theory and like actual science. Um, and and so and then and then all four of us get on stage at the end and have a group discussion um, that I moderate and based on audiences' questions and. There's nothing else like it. There's a lot of things similar to it. Like there's like nerd night and like, um, you know, science on tap sort of things that are bubbling up in cities like Seattle and other things. And I encourage everyone to go out and and get involved in uh, taking in, um, you know, uh, intellectually stimulating uh, stuff. But my show is a is kind of combines that with comedy in a unique way that makes um, learning and, and stimulating conversations a little more, um, fun and funny. And so, uh, I'm hoping to be coming through Seattle like every four months or so with that show, all different guests each time. So it's a different show each time. So that's the best thing to do is go to shanemoss.com and check out my documentary psychonautics, a comics exploration of psychedelics, my podcast, Here We Are, where I interview a different scientist each week, and uh, and check out all of my various projects that I'm involved in. And you're you're you have you're so famous, and all the friends come <laughs> to you. But in case they don't oh, know, I really do sound like such a jerk. <laughs> people come to me; they just want to hang out. I I mean, it, it's it's funny because I was like such a I was not a popular kid growing up, okay. and like. It was something that was really important to me to be popular growing yeah. up. And it was like, you know, led to a lot of depression issues. And I want to be one of the cool kids and all of that. And then um, when I became um, a comedian and I got to have that and I got to be one of the cool kids and got to be popular, I realized that that is not all it's cracked up to be. And I'll tell you, if you just have like, a friend group in your life that you can like play board games and like chat and have like a chill and share share your life and your experiences with then you are uh you you are living just as good of a social life as any like uh famous person out there who's probably like way too overwhelmed with with uh you know social stimulus and is probably isolating themselves just like i do uh so so it's really it's really not all it's cracked up to be um by the way so if you just have like a a cool group of people in your life that's all anyone needs 
All right. Shane, that's Shane Moss, M-A-U-S-S, ShaneMoss.com, to find out when Stand Up Science is coming back to Seattle, to find the Here We Are podcast, where you could learn a lot about uh, science from an entertaining perspective. Uh, Catch my episode on there uh, as well. Yeah. And uh, you can check out his documentary also on uh, Shane, M-A-U-S-S.com. Shane, thank you so much for dropping into Seattle and popping in on Seattle Growth Podcast. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you. Appreciate your time and perspective. That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Now, I want to hear from you. How are you building or finding community in this dynamic city? Who else do you want to hear from this season? Reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman, to let me know. Or come tell me in person at the next screening of On the Brink. Head to www.onthebrinkmovie.com slash screenings to get tickets. Don't just take it from me. The stranger deemed it, and I quote, worth watching. And Crosscut noted that the history lesson here is one all Seattleites would benefit from learning. Go to www.onthebrinkmovie.com slash screenings to get tickets. Next week, we continue to look at finding community in a dynamic city. You will not only learn how to build your own community, you will learn about the efforts to be collectively prepared for emergency response from Cindy Barker. It is a fascinating interview that you won't want to miss. And this is one your life just may depend on. Before we close out this episode, I want to thank Pamela Burton for her help with the audio and Ed Cromer for his work on the UW Foster School of Business blog. I also want to thank the UW News and Information Office, notably Victor Balta, Rebecca Gorley, and Michelle Ma, who've helped spread the word about Seattle Growth Podcasts. And I want to acknowledge the lovely voice you heard at the introduction to this episode. That was Naomi Washira, who appeared on Season 4 of Seattle Growth Podcast, which explored the past, present, and future of Seattle's music scene. She will also be performing in Seattle Theater Group's Nights at the Neptune program on July 11th. Hope you see her there and then come back to the Knights of the Neptune program on August 15th to see my documentary with Stephen Fong on the brink. I'm Jeff Shulman, and I thank you for joining me on this journey in the sixth season of Seattle Growth Podcast.